So, uh, we're going to be talking this morning about the topic of restoration. And um, you may have been here last week, and Jeremy Blakey was talking about Psalm 23, which actually talks quite a bit about restoration as well. Um, so this morning, we're, it's kind of like following on from that, but we're, we're dealing with Psalm 51, which I'll read a little bit later, um, but I wanted just to introduce this topic of restoration because it conjures up various different ways of thinking in us. So uh, if we can have the next slide, please. I've only got a few slides this morning, but for some of us, when you say the word restoration, you think of these arty programs, or you think of something where you're restoring a, a photograph like this from one that has been tarnished, damaged over the years to something which looks uh, as good as new. Um, so for some of us, it'll be these programs where they restore old paintings or old photographs or whatever on the telly uh, that, that will come to you. Uh, next slide, please. For others of us, it might be a job on a house like this, an older house which uh, needs quite a lot doing to it, and the restoration involves having to put up scaffolding, and uh, that's uh, quite a job there. Um, We had some friends whose house they discovered um, had subsidence one side of it because some trees had been planted too close to it, and they needed restoration done on their house, and they effectively needed the whole of the side of the house underpinning and all the trees dug out and all the roots removed and then the whole of the house rebalancing. Huge cost, these sort of things can cost you an awful lot of money. Restoration can be a a costly business in this sort of world that we live in. And so a, a house like this might end up having scaffolding around it for a very long period of time. Now, If you take that analogy and apply it to our lives, it may be that we feel like we've constantly got scaffolding around us because God's putting that scaffolding around and doing the restoration behind the the scaffolding on the actual structure of our lives. So when you're thinking of restoration, I think quite a useful picture is this one of scaffolding because I think, and, and of God working behind the scaffolding. Let's have the next slide. It's very clear from Scripture, and this runs throughout all of Scripture, but is particularly marked with the coming of Jesus, that God wants to restore us. He actually wants to, and he loves to, he intends to restore us and restore our lives. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes we lose sight of that slightly. We feel that maybe God wants to restore me, or if I'm really good, God wants to restore me, or... Um, he might eventually restore me, or I'm only eventually going to be restored when Jesus comes again and he makes everything new. But this is actually something which is God's process in our lives right now. It says in, in Scripture that we're being changed from one degree of glory to another. And there's a process of God transforming our lives, changing our lives, restoring our lives on a daily basis just as there are things that happen maybe and we notice them only over decades. So when you're thinking God wants to restore us, please don't rule yourself out of this. Please don't lower your sights and think, but maybe that's for other people, but it doesn't work for me. It's very easy for us to to just let slip in our expectation of what God actually wants to do in our lives. And equally, There are areas of of restoration that God wants to do. He wants to restore us physically. He actually wants to deal with the physical things in our lives where we've been damaged or injured. 
He wants to deal with us emotionally, where there have been emotional issues in our lives. And also, he wants to restore us spiritually. And this is what we'll come on to in a few minutes with Psalm 51. There's a spiritual restoration of David in this psalm, a bit like the spiritual and relational restoration that we saw played out a few minutes ago with the prodigal son. God is the father in that picture, isn't he? We, we kind of know that. But just to think how God deals with that situation. God is so wanting to welcome his son back. Now, do you and I necessarily feel like God's like that with us on a day-by-day basis? You do something wrong. Do you think of God, the, the father of the prodigal son, going, oh, I'm welcoming you back? Probably not. Probably our picture of God is something more stern than that, or, or certainly less welcoming. And when you think what the son had done, He'd spent all the money, he'd, he'd gone and done things which his dad disapproved of. There were a whole host of sins in that son's life. And yet the dad's whole attitude was, welcome back, son. And I just want us to start this morning, this bit of this morning, rem- recognising that that's what God is like towards us. Whether we like it or not, however we are with him, that's how he wants to be with us. And that's amazing, and that's good, isn't it? And I, I guess that's the most amazing thing whenever we're in these sorts of situations. So there are a range of things that um, God deals with. He deals with, let's go on to the next slide. There are areas of our lives that need restoration. In, in, in the psalm, we're going to talk about an area of sin, but I, I'd like Carol to come up because there's an area we, we ministered to someone a few years ago, who had been stuck in a situation in their life and bound up, and God did some restoration in her life. Could you just come and uh, tell people a bit about that? So this is my wife, Carol, in case you don't know. Is this on? Yes. Um, Yeah, a girl came to us uh, a few years ago. Um, She'd been in a church in London, and she'd worked in that church. She was a a youth worker, and... um, the, she worked with, alongside someone else, a guy in the church as well. They, were, they worked together, and the guy was married. Um, and the two of them saw a huge amount happen in young people's lives. They were hugely effective. They saw people's lives transformed, born again, um, and it was fantastic. But the problem was that because they worked so closely together, they ended up getting into a relationship with each other that wasn't right, obviously, because the the other guy was married. And um, this went on for quite a long time. Nobody else in the church knew. Um, It was all kept secret. It was all in the dark. And by the time we met her, she'd had to give up her job in the church and move away because um, she didn't know what to do. She couldn't carry on. She'd broken the relationship off with the guy, and he'd moved away with his wife. Um, But... Because it was all somehow in the darkness. They didn't know, she didn't know how to resolve it. I mean, she'd confessed her sin to God, but she still felt like she was carrying the guilt around with her. And she just couldn't get free of it. Everywhere she went, she was carrying it with her. And we had the privilege of just praying with her and asking God to release her from that guilt and just allowing God to cleanse her and to set her free. And... Um, just to break that tie that she had with that, with that guy. And we also encouraged her to go and speak to the leader of the church that she'd worked in 
uh, which she did, and that just began a process of bringing something that had been in the darkness into the light, which she needed. Uh, so we prayed. We prayed several times with her, and she went away. Uh, but she didn't live in Oxford. We didn't see her for a while. And then when we saw her again, it was like meeting a different person because she dealt with that thing. It had, it had been brought into the light. She no longer had to carry it around. Um, she did have to live with the consequences of it, I had to say. She had to give up her job, and she had to move away from that church because she didn't feel like she could be in that church anymore, um, knowing what had gone on. But she was free to go on to the next part of her life, which for us was a great joy and privilege to see. And she's got married since then as well, hasn't she? And uh, that's been fantastic. Carol's going to stay here for a minute because there's a little bit more we want to say. But that's an example from when we were reflecting on the story of David's story of the prodigal son, an example for us of somebody who had gone into sin and got trapped in that, and God had done a restoration work. And, and that's absolutely wonderful, and we praise God for that. It's fantastic. There are also areas in our lives where there may be traumas, and God wants to restore us from those. I, uh, again, reflecting on, on this morning, I was reminded of back in 1994... You may remember 1994, I, I, was, I was still a grown man then, uh, uh, I was um, in a church in Canterbury that we were in, uh, because we moved to Oxford after this, and um, I, um, I got prayed for right at the beginning, 1994 was this time when the Holy Spirit really started to break out in churches like Oxford Community Church and the church we were in in Canterbury, and I got prayed for. And some things came to the surface in my life. Basically, some people who were pastoring us at the time um, felt God speak to them about a number of things for me that God wanted to restore in my life. And one of them was to do with grief. And the grief had been that my, my mum had died when I was 12. And my family had really struggled to deal with it. And as a result, hadn't really kind of dealt with the grief, both at that time and in the subsequent years. And this was something that weighed on my whole family. But God, we just prayed through, and I felt a release from, from grief as we prayed about this, this situation. And it's fascinating, but actually this had a ripple effect. I don't know whether you've seen this when God set people free or restored them, but my dad, my dad's quite a fixed-in-his-ways sort of guy, he had kept a lot of my mum's clothes and possessions in the bedroom that, that he still had where, he, where we'd grown up and where my mum had been before she died. And as a result of this praying, I think it was as a result, within weeks, my dad had cleared out the, the, the bedroom and my dad had repainted the house. Now, we're talking, my mum died in 78, this is 94. There's quite a big gap here. And my dad had lived with something over that time. And actually, what God did in me helped to release my dad in that, I believe. And there was a change of tone in my family, as though we had moved forward, and yet God had done it in me. Now, I, I don't quite understand how that works through into other people's lives in your family. My dad isn't a Christian, um, but nevertheless, there was a change then, and I think things have moved forward for him significantly since that time. So God can meet us 
in areas where there are traumas in our lives. Now, grief is one, bereavement is a very clear one. There are other, other sorts of situations which we may also feel, whether we've had an accident, whether there's been a failure in our lives, whether there's been betrayal or divorce or rejection, disappointment. There's a whole range of things where things come on us and affect us. These are kind of like the emotional uh, things, but also a spiritual thing behind it. And we're just confident that in this, God wants to restore people. He may want to restore you today, or it may be a process he's taking you on where he wants to restore you. But he did that in my life, and I haven't been the same since. And I don't think my dad has either. So that's absolutely fantastic. Then there are, there are physical things we've talked about earlier. There's also inherited issues. Another thing from my family, you may feel this is slightly obscure, slightly different is the area of Freemasonry. And I, I experienced this because some people, again, praying with me, had different words of knowledge. I've shared this sort of thing once before in this church, and I'll, I'll make it quite short. But my family, a few generations back, had been into Freemasonry. And Freemasonry is this thing where, by, by getting involved in it, and it's pretty nasty stuff, but it's partly about getting people to move forward in their careers. So when you have Freemasonry, it's often you, you find senior people in different types of roles, like the police or, or the church sometimes, or, or government or whatever, have been involved. In that, and it's all to do with helping their careers to move forward. Now, again, when I was just before I was prayed for about this, my career had kind of plateaued, shall we say, in that I wasn't able to move forward very much in it. But I got prayed for, and my career within months had taken already one step forward, and I've been further several steps up. So if you were to draw a graph of income or draw a graph of responsibility or management of people or whatever, my, my, my life changed because God set me free from Freemasonry at a particular point in time. I needed some quite specialist prayer, actually, about that from some people who knew about Freemasonry and knew how to pray about it. So it's, it's a slightly unusual thing, but there are quite a number of people in this country who are into that sort of thing, and therefore there are quite a number of people who come to Christ who need to be set free from that and restored in their lives. And I do feel free of that. It has changed, God has changed my life in that. So there's a whole range of things. These are just personal stories of where God is involved in restoring us. Now, just before we uh, go into the psalm, Carol felt when we were praying together last week about this, you felt God give you pictures of, of what God might be wanting to do in people this morning. So I thought I'd just hand over to you for a, a little bit. Um, I felt God gave me three different things, three different areas. Um, and the first one was that I felt there were some of us who maybe just have what I can only describe as cobwebs and, and dirt um, just on you. Um, things that you've maybe picked up along the way, along the journey. It may be sin, but it could just as easily be things that you've, uh, things that have happened to you and you've just got a bit dirty. Um, last week we bought a Dyson. Uh, I've never had a Dyson before. I've always wanted one, but... Um, and, uh, <laughs> and I finally persuaded Simon to buy a Dyson and I whizzed around the house and it picked up so much dirt and dust and it's, it's just unbelievable. I just felt like the Holy Spirit this morning is going to come like a, a Dyson, give us a, give us a bit of a clean up. We all need that from time to time. We pick up things intentionally or often unintentionally, but just as we walk through life, you know, 
um, you just feel a bit dirty. And God wants to come and cleanse us and restore us. So that's the first thing, the cobwebs. Cobwebs and dust and dirt. Um, the second... Yeah, the second one is I felt some of us had um, dirt under our fingernails. Um, And you know what it's like when you've got dirt under your fingernails? It takes a bit of digging out sometimes. Um, And I just felt like for some of us, God wanted to start a process of digging out a bit of dirt. Now, again, it's not, not, not necessarily sin. It might be, as Simon's described, things that have happened to us, circumstances that we've been in, a trauma that you've had. Or something that's just happened and you can't quite get it, get free of it. It's still there. You know it's there and you want to be free. You might even not know what it is, but you know that there's something there. And I just believe God wants to start a process in some of our lives of just digging that dirt out. And the third one is that I felt there were people who had um, an indelible stain. You feel like you've got an indelible stain. There's something that you cannot get free of. And it may be that you've prayed about it. Other people have prayed many times for you and you're still not free. And I just believe God wants to give you hope again this morning that he can come and restore you and that he wants to do that. It may not be an instant thing. Again, it may be a process, but God wants to give you hope again this morning. So if any of those things relate to people here, we'd love to pray for you this morning. Yeah, we will give time to pray afterwards, although we recognise that a number of these sorts of things, actually, it's not really a Sunday morning sort of job. It's more a case of going away and thinking about it more or praying about it with people. But in bringing this psalm to us as we're about to, and in, in talking about this issue, we just felt God wanted to say, come on, guys, I'm the God who wants to restore people. I'm the God who loves to do this. So let's look at Psalm 51. If you can turn it up, uh, that would be great if you've got a Bible in front of you. Actually, if we've got it, have we got it on the, so we could do it on the screen as well, if possible? That would be really helpful because it's, it's quite long. And if you haven't got a Bible, you might find it hard to follow. Now, the, in, the introduction to this is that, and you, you'll probably be aware of this story, King David has um, entered into an adulterous relationship with a lady called Bathsheba, who he first spotted swimming in a, la- in a, in a pool uh, by the castle where he was, or the palace where he was living. He then organised for her husband to be put on the front line in battle and killed. And he has continued to live as king up until a certain point when he was confronted about this. He continued to live without recognizing the full extent of what he'd actually done. And then what happens is a prophet called Nathan comes to him, because God's spoken to Nathan clearly about what's gone on, and Nathan comes and addresses this with David. And this is kind of David's raw response to the situation. So I'll just read it out, and you can follow it on the screen or in your Bibles. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you are proved right Sorry, right when you speak and justified when you judge. 
Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inmost parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. Save me from blood guilt, O God, the God who saves me, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. In your good pleasure, make Zion prosper. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then there will be righteous sacrifices, whole burnt offerings to delight you. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. So this is a psalm all about restoration. It's quite a serious psalm, quite a a tragic psalm. But David's gone a long way. We, we described an example of someone who'd fallen into sin, and this is what David did. Now, if you imagine where David had been to, if you, if you say, well, what would it be like if David Cameron had got into this sort of situation where he had ended up in adultery, ended up murdering somebody via putting them on, on the front line of a battle? We would be shocked and appalled. It would be across all the newspapers. It would be the sort of thing which would bring down the government in in our day, especially given the way we are about politicians at the moment. And I'm sure they had similar people who were like this about kings as well. This is a pretty shocking situation to have got into and something which requires a a very full repentance and clarity as to how David needed to move forward. And this psalm lays it out like that uh, very seriously. The consequences were still there for David. If you read on in scripture, you find that the child who was born to Bathsheba as a result of this dies. And there is a succession of problems with David's children who rebel against him and also commit adultery. And the consequences are working out still through that family. But what's happened in David, and is really the subject of this psalm, is that he's been restored to God in his relationship, which is the the most important thing that he can do initially. And so we find in um, in, in in the psalm, he's saying, cleanse me with hyssop and I'll be clean. He says, create in me a pure heart, O God. There is this repentance and coming back to God, which is very clear from David um, because he knows where he's sunk to and he knows he needs to get back. So God does restore David, but there are still the consequences in his life. And God still says later on in scripture that David was a man after his own heart. 
Now, if you were in this situation, would you still think God would say that of you? I'm not sure I would particularly. I'd probably think God would have crossed that bit out now because he said, no, he wasn't a man after my own heart because of all that he'd done. But there's something in what God had done in restoring David that is is an amazing thing there and also a pattern for us as to how we can get back to God because there does need to be a repentance for sin. There does need to be a cleansing before there can be a restoration and that's what David goes through in this psalm. So if you're, you may be in all sorts of situations but if you're in a situation where there's sin in your life and it's blocking you, blocking you up, following through this psalm and the structure of how David goes through this would probably be a help to you in understanding what's needed. But it's more, more than that and above all of that I just think the main thing that comes through here is both David's brokenness and God's overwhelming love for David and restoration of him. And if that's something you can take away today from what we're talking about, that will be fantastic. Because I think God wants to do that. He wants to restore us. But it's also possible to be the person who... we were. I'm pointing over here because we were doing the drama just then with Joe as br- older brother Joe. It's also possible for us to be jealous of those who do get their lives restored, especially if maybe we don't get ours restored at the same time. And I think it's really important that we recognise that in the way we also behave in this. If you see someone else getting healed of something that you'd quite like to get healed of, what does that make you feel? Perhaps older brother-like. If you see someone else's life being restored in another area, emotionally or, or, or spiritually, it's really important that we are clear that we're not going to be like that older brother, but we're actually going to be like the father who rejoiced and the friends who rejoiced. It's important that we are those who rejoice with those who, who are restored. So I think there's just that slight thing in the prodigal son story which helps us to understand how God wants us to be. So maybe you just want a bit of a clear out, a bit of a Dyson treatment. I'm sure we're being a a bit too brand conscious or something there. Maybe you need a Dyson treatment, but it is good. It was better than Morphe Richards, actually. Um, Oh, no, I shouldn't say that. Um, It may be that you, you you need a treatment like that this morning. There's just some things on your life. Now, that may be something you can just sit where you are and say, Lord, I just opened myself up to you this morning. Please would you come and just do that restoring work. Maybe you need someone to pray with you. If it's something specific, it can actually be helpful to have someone pray with you. But it might just be you need that cobweb treatment, basically. Or maybe you're aware of something, but you don't know quite how to deal with it. And you maybe need to ask God just to say, God, I don't feel happy about such and such, but would you reveal it to me? I tell you, those stories which I read, I, I, I recounted about my life, the reason that some of the things happened was because God, people asked God, what's going on with Simon? Why is this happening in his life? And they said, actually, I feel there's some grief in your life because of your mum dying. Some people asked God and it unlocked the situation. Maybe you need to ask God or get people to pray with you and ask God about that. I wouldn't necessarily have known. I just felt bad, yeah? So Holy Spirit moving in the churches and I was all stirred up inside. That was the reality of my feelings. I didn't know what was going on. But God spoke to these people and I 
I got free and restored. So it may be that there's something where you just need a bit of help like that. And then there were also the people with indelible stains. So you may feel like you can never be free of something or never see restoration in something in your life. That certainly needs somebody to, to pray with you. Maybe not even this morning, maybe at another, at another time. But uh, I just want to encourage you, if, uh, if God's been speaking to you at all through what we've been saying this morning, to, uh, to respond to him. Now, I'm going to ask the band to come out because we're just about finished. I don't know how the finger puppet people are doing at the back, but uh, I'm hoping you're all right, are you, at the back? Yeah, good. So I'm going to ask the bank to come out, and they're just going to play for a few minutes. And can I just ask you, if, if God's spoken to you this morning, to respond either by sitting where you are and just opening yourself to him, or by coming out to the front, and there are people other than myself and Carol, others who can pray with you, or if there's something that you feel, I'm not quite sure about this, I need to go away about it and, and sort it out, then please do do that as well. And equally, if you feel like, this wasn't for you this morning, then praise God. Please join in with the worship and, and praise God and uh, enjoy him this morning.